Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. See, sometimes our children, our grandchildren, our extended family, the reason that they're blessed is because you're walking with God. You're serving God. You're living for God. You, God will bless that unsaved spouse. He will bless that unsaved child member because the blessing of God rests on your life. He says, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and When a person walks with God, not only will they be blessed, but those around them will be blessed also. Families which are built on Christ will establish blessings that will linger into future generations. Pastor Ed tells us today that Abraham built his life off of God's promises to him. He lived as a man of faith, not looking to what the world promised him, but looking to what God promised him. As a result, he lived an extraordinary life and received all that God had promised, and then some. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Building in faith. God saw down through the ages that this man would be in the great hall of fame of faith because he listened and obeyed and his life would inspire the lives of untold millions of people. And you say, okay, I I believe it, Pastor. God can use our trials. He can use it, but how about when you blow it? How about when you make a big mistake in one of those days that God has planned? Okay. It leads me to my second (laughs) sub-point. We can trust in God who is able to lead us into our future. Hebrews 11.8 reads, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Okay. Abraham obeyed. He didn't know where he was going. He just listened to God. But Abraham blew it. The man of faith, when it came to traveling was afraid that they might kill him because of his good-looking wife and take his wife. That was the custom in those areas. So he said, just tell him you're my sister. Real courageous thing, you know? And then he learned after the first time, right? No, no, go back, read a number of chapters later, does the same thing again. Do you think God is taken by surprise by any of your failures? Do you think when he called you, and he called you out of darkness, that somehow when you hit that period in your life, all of a sudden this happened, that happened, that God said, oh my, i got to change my plans now. (laughs) Absolutely not. David, God said to you that he would make you great. David, you'll sit on the throne. David, your songs will touch generations. Oh, God. I've sinned. I've committed adultery. God said, David, your sins are forgiven. 
Now write about it. Call it Psalm 51, Psalm 32. It'll help others find their way back to me. Peter, I said you'd be a rock. I said that you would lead your brethren. But oh, God, I cursed and swore. I said I never knew you. God can use even our failures. God can use even our weaknesses. Go tell Peter that I'm risen. God redeemed Peter. And he knew all the while. Don't believe the enemy's lie. When he'd like to say to you that you can't get over your past. If it's under the blood, it's under the plot. If it's forgiven, it's forgiven. If it's forgotten, it's forgotten. Hear me when I say this to you. Trust in God's ability to lead you into your future. Your sin is not greater than his strength. Your weakness is not overcoming his ability. Abraham. Now, don't misunderstand me. Let me camp here just for a moment. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not teaching antinomianism that says, you know, you can do anything you want and just get away with it. No, 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 no. You got to pay. And big time. David paid big time for his sin. But God forgave him. And God helped him. You don't get away with sin. It cost. But be assured of this, that God is greater than your sin. See, God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Hope anticipates it. Patience quietly awaits it. Will you await? Go back with me, please. When you were first saved, or when you had some type of spiritual encounter with God, where he met you, and he dropped into your heart a promise. He dropped into you a word and said, my hand is on your life. I'm going to be with you. Go back into that. Resurrect it out of the deadness of time. Bring it back to life. Rehearse it. Remember it. Recall it. Retell it to God like Jacob did. He spent years being deceived after he had deceived. He spent years in a foreign land, out of the land of promise, but he recalled and he remembered and he reminded God of his promises. See, there are times in our own lives we have to remind ourselves what God has promised us, and then we have to remind God what he has promised, and then we have to walk in that believing that God will fulfill every single one of his promises because they're all yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, God, in this call to Abraham, was telling him, I have a plan for your life. Just follow me. I have the blueprints. I've laid it all out. You may not know, but I do. But he was also saying something else. He also gave him an incredible promise. Listen to it in verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. 
and bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. We have the promise of a great life. God doesn't want you to live in mediocrity. He doesn't want you to live in circumstances where you never attain to what God wants you and has ordained you to be. God gave this promise to Abraham. Now, I I think of Abraham Lincoln's words. Abraham Lincoln said, We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us and have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. He looked at the nation and he recognized the pride of our nation at that time. And you know, sometimes I think we look at ourselves as a nation and we say, look, we have all of these blessings. We're more intelligent than other people. We're stronger than other people. It's it's our constitution. I don't think it's any of that. It's the goodness and the kindness and the grace of God that his hand is on our nation. But as it is with our nation, the greater, so it is with us individually. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you great. God said to Leo, to Vinny, uh, to Jason and Rebecca, uh, to Marie and to Lou, to John and Vivian, uh, to Herb and Amy, to you and to me. I want to make you great. Now, don't you go about trying to do it. How do you do it? Build your life on the word of God. That's what Abraham did. Every single thing he did was built on God's word to him. A life built on the word of God. In Luke six forty-seven to 48, it reads, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. That's the New Living Translation. Jesus said, if you build your life on my word, when the storms, the trials, the difficulties of life come, you're not going to be swept away. You're not going to be washed away. Now, let me ask you a moment for a moment. If suddenly we pulled the rug out from underneath your feet. Now, what I'm talking about with that is suddenly we took your faith away. How would it alter your life? How would it change your life? Answer that by looking at Abraham. If suddenly you pulled the rug out from Abraham's feet and his faith was taken away, what would he have? His whole life would have been in shambles because his whole life was built on obedience to God on a promise that God gave him and it should be no different with our lives stop building your life on the size of your 401k stop building your life on the master's and the doctorate degree behind your name or the bachelor's degree stop building your life on the money you make stop building your life on the things that you think are going to build yourself 
self-esteem, your abilities, your powers, your personality, and start building them on the only foundation that will last for all eternity, the living word of God. Build your life on that. And when the storms of life come and the trials of life come and the temptations of life come, you will stand and you will stand firm and your faith will be an example to everyone who follows you. Hallelujah. We need to build our lives on the word of God. A story was told about a pastor who gave his son uh, a promise. He said, I'm going to buy you a car when you go to college. And he said, but son made a covenant with him. He would read the Bible every day and the father would buy him a car. And so he went off. First year went by, second year went by, third year went by, car never came. Fourth year came by, car never came. Son said, you know, my dad broke his promise to me all those years I did without the car. And so he went up to his father and he complained. He said, dad, you promised me that you would give me a car. He said, son, you promised me you'd read your Bible. The check was right in there. The answers are in here, in this book. Start building our lives on it. Start believing it. Start receiving it. Now, his life was built on the word of God, but something else, his life was built by the hand of God. I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 21. Then will all your people be righteous, and they will possess the land forever. They are a shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. God was saying that your children, your people, are the work of my hands. You're the potter. God, I'm the clay. And you're molding me and shaping me. See, each one of us are God's workmanship. How yield are we to God? How pliable are we in his hands? If we are, he's going to mold our... Abraham's life was being molded by God. He was learning. He was growing. Some of his greatest tests lay before him. When God said to me, okay, Abraham, give me your only son, your son Isaac. And he had to take Isaac and he was ready to give Isaac up to God. All the promises and everything was wrapped up in Isaac. And yet he willingly was ready to say, God, here it is. You have my best. You have my Isaac. You have my all. When God builds our lives, we take our hands off of it. There's a great contrast found in chapter 11. In chapter 11, the prior chapter, there are a group of people that gather together and said, we're going to make ourselves great. And over and over again, they say, we will build a tower, the Tower of Babel. And we're going to make our name great. Now, if you look at these verses here, in verses 1 to 4, God says, I will show you, I will make you, I will bless you, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. Uh, God says, I will, I will, I will, I will. You remember Satan? He says, I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. There's a conflict in this contrast. Are you going to make your name great? If you do, the greatness will pass with the passing of time. It will fade with this uh, passing of years. 
Either you could be committed to making your life something, or you could let God make you what he wants you to be. Either you could say, God, I'm going to take my life in my hands. It'll be wood, hay, and stubble. See, he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to do it in your life. God said that to David. David wanted to do something for God, and God said to David, I I'm going to make your name great. Who would you rather have as the architect and the builder of your life? Yourself or God? God, take it. I give it over to you. My plans, my abilities, my resources, who I am and what I am, I turn it all over to you. And God, I'll do it your way. Is there someone in here that will say, I'm a candidate for that. Pastor, I'm a candidate for that. I want God to take over my life. I want him to construct me and make me and mold me. I want him to do it. Amen. God is the God of the promise. He keeps his word. Even when that seems impossible. Even when the circumstances seem to point to the opposite. I was talking to my friend, Dr. Zach Koshi, yesterday or the day before on the phone. We had a time of prayer together as we usually do. And then he said, I have a verse of scripture I want to give you. And I said, give it to me, Zach. I love the words. He said, Psalm 71, 21. And can I give it to you? Psalm 71, 21. You shall increase my greatness. And comfort me on every side. See, you have a father in heaven who wants you to be great. Don't make it your aspiration to make yourself something. Make it your aspiration to surrender yourself to the one who could make you something. Don't get to midlife crisis and say, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to do the other thing. Don't get any stage or any season of life and say, I'm going to take the reins in my own hand. No, 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 no. A thousand times, no. Begin getting before almighty God and say, God, what's your plan for my life? God, I want to build my life on your word. Open this book to me. God, I want to build my life on your promises. God, I'm not going to find a mate that doesn't know you. I want you to provide for me a mate that knows you, that loves you, that will honor you. God, God, I'm not going to just choose any job. I want the job that you have for me. God, I'm not going to live the way the world lives. I'm going to live the way a pilgrim lives who's just passing through this land because I recognize I am not a resident here. I'm just passing through. Beloved, we need to live for things that count, things that last, things that are eternal. And like Abraham, God said to him, your name will be great, Abraham. You go. And listen to the Jews. Abraham's our father. Hear the Muslims. Abraham's our father. And to us Christians, we know he is Father Abraham because the blessing has come down through the person of Jesus and all those who receive Jesus have Abraham, as it were, as their ancestor. One more point. We have the promise of a blessed life. And I'll quickly run through this, but I hope and pray that you let it sink deep into your heart. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Uh, The idea of bless is the favor of God resting on a person. It confirms 
physical and spiritual well-being. I will bless you. Abraham, where did you get all the wealth that you got from? It wasn't from you, kings. It wasn't from the victory in the war. I don't want anybody to say that because God blessed me. How many of you can look back and you could look at what you have and you say, it's God. It's God. It's God. God says, I will bless you. Abraham, you got yourself into all sorts of trouble with Abimelech. Abimelech, you got yourself into all sorts of trouble. God delivered you. Uh, Why did he do that? I'm blessed. God so often comes through when we don't deserve it. That's why it's called amazing grace. So often, when you least expect it, the God of heaven walks into your life and lifts you up with a blessing because he wants you to know that he is your father and you, he is not your father because of some performance on your part. You could never perform well enough to earn his favor. It all comes through the person of Jesus Christ, what Jesus did on the cross, and he wants to bless you as a father would want to bless his children, as a parent would want to bless their child. God, the father, Father's heart is to bless you. And he said, I will make you a blessing. So you can't bless someone else unless you've been blessed. You can't bless other people unless you've been blessed. See, when you're blessed by God, people come around you and they're encouraged in Christ. People come around you and they walk away sanctified. Hear me. Uh, When you are blessed, uh, somehow people's association with you even blesses them. He said, those who curse you, I will curse. Now, one of the reasons I believe that God blesses our country is the way we treat Israel because we recognize that God's hand is on that nation. But beloved, it also applies to the church of the living God. When you treat men and women who love Jesus Christ right, God sees that and he blesses that. And those who recognize God's hand on your life when you're walking with God, they'll be blessed. Lot, why are you blessed? Why is your herds increasing? Why are you prospering? That's Abraham. Lot, Why did God get you out of Sodom and Gomorrah right before the fire and the brimstone came? Well, uh, Uncle Uncle Abraham. See, sometimes our children, our grandchildren, our extended family, the reason that they're blessed is because you're walking with God. You're serving God. You're living for God. God will bless that unsaved spouse. He will bless that unsaved child member because the blessing of God rests on your life. He says, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. God wants us to be a conduit of his blessing to this world. We are to be, as it were, a change agent in the lives of people, bringing in peace into their life, bringing in the idea of God's presence into their life, bringing into their lives joy on and full of glory. I love this passage of Scripture. In, Genesis, in Galatians, Paul the Apostle, and I, I close with this passage of Scripture as we bring the message to a close. In Galatians 3.14, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. 
God is still keeping his word to Abraham every time you're blessed. Think about that. Oh, God, I was blessed in church today. Oh, God, thank you for making a way when there was no way. Oh, God, thank you for opening up the door. Abraham's up there. Oh, God, you're true to your word. You're being blessed, as it were, through the channel of Abraham. Thank you for joining us again today as Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us through the life of Abraham here on Building in Faith. In the book of Genesis, we learn that God called Abraham to leave everything and, amazingly enough, he did. Abraham followed God because he was holding on to the hope that the promises God made would happen. He didn't see how he would ever even have one child, much less a whole nation, nor could he see the land God was promising. And there was no way he could ever imagine that one day Jesus, the Savior of the world, would be coming from his line. We know looking back that all of those things did come to pass. Is God taking you on a walk by faith into the unknown? Has he called you to do something that is bigger than yourself? What are the promises he's made to you? Do you believe that like in Abraham's life, God will fulfill every one of them? We would love to be a part of your faith walk here at Building in Faith. If you need prayer as you step out in faith, give us a call at 845-462-5955. Again, that's 845-462-5955. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we want you to know how loved you are by the Heavenly Father you're following. If you'd like to listen again to today's message or hear other teachings by Pastor Ed, you can do so at buildinginfaithradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. But tune in again next time to learn more about Abraham right here on Building in Faith. Your word